Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the rest of the K-Fabe crew. Introducing first, he is the king of the K-Fabe kickflip, Mr. Wex Breaking the Lawson. Wex, how you doing, bud? Living pretty great today. You know, drinking a little Jarrito, as we say in Tennessee. And, uh, Jarrito. Enjoying life. It's a pretty good day. Uh still hot as hell out here in Tennessee. Uh, the humidity's fucking ridiculous, but it, it should be expected at this point, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And it also introducing the patron saint, not only just a patron, but the patron saint of the Rock Block, Mr. Jesse Baker. Miss Jesse, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing just dandy, just fine, just getting some stuff cleared up and shit, and excited to get into this and uh, move into the new season, all that fun stuff. Excited to talk a little news and notes and uh, SummerSlam 02, which is just a stellar fucking show. Indeed, indeed. Last week, we did cover the Money in the Bank show. Um, you know, there was some some ups and downs, lots of downs, not a few, not, not a lot of ups. Um, even though I will say WWE was on a roll there for a while, like, you know, they, they were leading into summer, in, in, I'm sorry, leading into WrestleMania. They were doing really well. Uh, backlash was surprisingly great. Um, they kind of kept it going for a while and then we hit money in the bank and it was just not what it needed to be. But we did cover also, uh, just talking on it a little bit was SummerSlam from 97 and man, I know last week I said that like I've been watching it, like it made me want to go watch the Raw after that. I'm I'm dude, I'm like I'm hooked in again. You know, like when you watch a show and you've seen it like fifty times, but then you're like, Oh, I don't know what to watch. I'll just watch a couple episodes of this till the next show comes on, and then you end up like watching the entire like the entirety of the show again, even though you didn't intend to. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, if it's something sick, it just it, it hooks you in. Dude, that is I'm I literally like Today at work and on my lunch break, I watched half of Ground Zero from 1997. Like I'm already like, I've already watched all the Raws, dude. I'd never realized that after that, the 97 SummerSlam, that like, okay, I don't care what anyone says. I feel like I definitively found when the Attitude Era started, and it wasn't the King of the Ring promo with Stone Cold. It was literally that Heart and Soul SummerSlam. Everything changed. Everything changed after that main event. Like the way they presented it on TV, that war zone, like everything was different. Yeah, war, dude, broke I, his I, neck. Like that was Raw it. is war slash war zone on the second hour. That's official attitude era. Yes, that's official. Like, like that's it when happened it started. Then, literally two weeks, two weeks after that SummerSlam is when they put Hunter and Sean together for the first time. And like, they put mankind against mankind and Taker. By the way, when did they officially get the scratch logo? I'm not even there yet. I'm so excited though. Yeah. I'm so excited. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm so excited to be reliving that year of wrestling again. Like I, I did it on accident, but um, yeah, man. And I, I, I say that all that being said, I feel like AEW is doing a pretty good job of trying to keep people engaged. Like they, they, they'll they have some whips. Hell yeah. Uh, but like I mean. They're uh, they're keeping people engaged, man. We we gotta, and we'll talk about that here. You know what, dude? Let's just go ahead I'll say, it, keep, dude, right now, <clears throat> they keep me engaged, and I'm like, I'm kind of like burnt out on wrestling in general as it is at this yeah, point. And AEW still every week, I'm in there. I'm every it's, Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to drinking a little bit, watching some wrestling. You know, it's just I'm that's Wednesday nights are where it's at. It gets you, man, and it gets you. And I want to talk more about that because I'm hyped about what AEW is doing. So let's go ahead and get into. The best part of the show thus far, it's 
What kind of tea are we are we working on this time? Maybe uh, Earl Grey hot. Too, Earl Grey hot. Uh, maybe um like a like a chai tea. Ooh, chai. I like that. Dirty chai though. It's got to be dirty. Yeah, we'll we'll go real dirty because you know right, I, I'm dirt, dirty, 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 dirty spiked, middle name. Spiked lemon iced tea as we speak. So well, there you spiked go. Spiked lemon. Well, there we go. And speaking of dirty, for the first time since 1998, WWE Raw is going back to TV 14, baby. Ooh, that's Ooh, true. Yeah. I saw that. That is exciting. I do feel like the, the again. I, I will say that like Money in the Bank sucked. I'm, I'm just gonna say it. Like there was some good wrestling, but the writing kind of sucked. But before that, these past like three or four, may, almost even six months, almost even half a year, a pretty decent writing from WWE. So yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, th- I think I think opening it up to that TV 14 level is is a good thing. All, all the hey, way around. And there are rumors that Cody Rhodes is very instrumental in getting that uh, done, making that happen. You gotta be able to say shit at least twice. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, you, you get a couple shits per week. You know, Chuck Taylor still hasn't got that shit on AEW like he's been looking for. But, you know, we're going to get to see some WWE guys cut some shits here and there. I'm into it, man. I, mm-hmm. I do really very much like that idea. Um, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. So that's some positive news for WWE. And uh, honestly, I don't really think it's going to get too much different or crazier, or more edgier. Because, you know, SmackDown has been PG since it started. And SmackDown has had some, you know, some some controversial shit here and there. But uh, the Vinnie Mac saga, unfortunately, continues literally right after we finished recording last week. The next day, more and more NDAs have been uh, discovered by the law firm that's been investigating them. And uh, yeah, how 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 are we up to 12 million now or something like that? You know, what's going to happen. What? I'm going to say this here and I hope this I hope that you are all listening very closely to me. If they find out that these NDAs were purchased by him personally and paid out by him personally, then he might very well be able to turn around and literally sue this this the government essentially or the law firm or whoever is like uh, in this pro- the is it the SEC is that who's like coming after him? I have no clue. I just know it's because some fucking- if it's his money, then this is like literally like. A violation of privacy. I mean, this is a it's a private contract between two people. It, it, as long as it's his money. Again, I want to make sure that's very clear. If he used any company money whatsoever, if he did, this very much could be the downfall of Vince McMahon. If it is yeah. found out that he did spend company money, shareholder money on these NDAs, it is very possible that they will finally remove Vince McMahon. I never I mean, thought they say that. already pretty much have proof that he did give one person a raise yeah, while that, he was having a relationship with her. So that's already not damning. Not the same as a payout. It was, well, the percentage of the raise is pretty substantial. Yeah, he doubled her fucking salary. Doubled it. Like, Went from a hundred thousand a year to two hundred thousand a year, like straight up doubled her salary, which is pretty damning. And yeah. And not only that, like I understand if he's using his own money, which uh, you know very well. If it's a private thing, his own money, very well. Like you said, he should be able to sue them. But some of these people in some of this situation are like, it's uh, not so consensual, if you want to say that. Uh, well, if you know where I'm getting at. See, sad, sadly, that doesn't matter. Like, sad, sad, um, and honestly, I'm not saying that that's that's the way it should be. But like, it's still, it's still like, it's not, it's not a government branch. You know what I mean? Like we're like it's a private company. So like until there's a, a criminal charge put against him, like it's still it doesn't matter. Like he's not. I mean he's not. Just 
Dude, he owns so like he doesn't even own as much as like the controlling. He has like eighty one percent of controlling share. Like it's not even close. Like he there's no he's not going anywhere. Like he will lose every sponsor and go down to being a hundred millionaire before he lets WWE go. That is what will happen. He will go back to municipal auditorium before. Do you really think that he just wouldn't like just go away and let like no, pretty much what's happening? Let not. Stephanie he be a proxy and run not. the company. He absolutely yeah. will not. Absolutely will not. Until he dies, he's going to just he go dies. for it. Until he dies, he will not be away from the WWE unless he is, <sighs> an, again, unless they somehow can legally remove him. But, I mean, I just don't see it happening, man. I just don't – I don't – I don't – I don't see – and I don't see – and, again, it, it becomes this argument on, like, wrestling Twitter where it's like, should he or shouldn't he or whatever, like – that doesn't matter. Like the the question is, will it or will it not happen? I don't think it's gonna happen. I gotta agree. Know. We'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. But uh, speaking of allegations, PM uh, people with allegations, your boy old Marty Skrull has been booked by Santino Morella for his Canadian Battle Arts, like it's like an MMA Good. hybrid wrestling promotion. And he booked him on the show, and that's just the first thing, you know, appearance we've had anything about Marty since, you know, he willingly you know, admitted that he uh, banged a 16-year-old girl. Whether it was legal in the country or not, whether that's the age of consent, I think it's still fucking weird. Regardless. Wasn't he like 20 at the time, though? No, he was like 26. Oh, that is a little yeah. weird. But, I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, you know, like Santino said, Marty, he said everybody deserves a chance to redeem themselves, but – I don't think he's done enough to redeem himself. So, uh, how do you? I don't redeem think it's the right time. I mean, that's a little. And I know the UK has different laws, and he said that he thought it was consensual, but he knew she was 16, and I just feels weird to me. I would just a little weird. And I used to love Marty Skrull, and just like the next segment that we're gonna get into, his in-ring work was great, but him as a person, you know, can't can't. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. So if this Straight is up. in America and it's a 28-year-old wrestler that consensually has sex with an 18-year-old fan, nobody's talking about it. Which is still fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not, but I am saying that it – like I don't think that it comes up in discussion at all unless the issue is specifically with consent. I fully agree with that. Yeah, but supposedly she was like drunk and got pressured yeah, in the, the situation, the but problem. he says he thought it was consensual. But there's yeah. always two sides to a story. But uh, uh, talking about two sides to a story, we're going to get into this next little bit here. And uh, one of Jesse's favorite wrestlers, I think he knows where we're going here. His, I do. His all times uh, current inactive, I mean, inactive, I mean, active in ring wrestlers, Jordan Grace, the Impact Women's World Champion. Made some uh, disparaging comments about Chris Benoit, pretty much talking about how he couldn't hang with the modern day wrestlers because, you know, he has CTE and he couldn't remember the spots and just talk shit about Benoit because, you know, he murdered you know his family and he was kind of just talking some shit. So a lot of people took offense to that. Like, no, I mean, obviously, Chris Benoit was a beast in the ring. You know, he murdered he, his family and what? <laughs> like, so I under I get both sides. Like, if you were his friend, you knew yeah. him, you're going to defend him. But if you're someone like us who just knows him as a murderer, you're going to be like, who cares if he was good? He fucking killed his family. But, you know, long story short, lots of controversy. Conan, a bunch of people were just, like, pissed off at her for saying all this shit. But she eventually had, like, a meeting with David Benoit. You know, Chris Benoit's son, who looks fucking just like him. It is weird. And I believe and, it's his sister as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
Sandra. Sandra's sister, yeah. Something like he met with like some of the Benoit people. Had she had like a little discussion, and they basically did a thing where she's donating money to like CTE research, and they buried the hatchet, and they were like, you know, it's fucked. Like, you know, everything's fucked up, but you know, Benoit before the brain, you know, it's his brain, and they're just they they came to an understanding, and I think it's really cool. It's a fucked up situation yeah. that turned into something yeah. that actually turned out positive. Yeah. But then, then this is what pisses me off. You got old. Nancy Benoit's like sister or niece or some shit coming in talking about she's upset, but this had nothing to do with Nancy. This is about Benoit's in ring ability, which I understand people forget about Nancy and then uh, blah, blah, blah. But this, this had nothing to do with that. This was talking about Benoit himself. Yeah. Nancy, great manager. She was very good in her own right for what she did, but this wasn't about her. And I yeah. feel like they just wanted to just piggyback and just grab a little something, which yeah. that's not cool. Yeah. Like, you're her fucking niece, or, like, what, like, come on now. I feel like with the disparaging nature of the comments and then followed up with, you know, the situation just dropping the mention of the murder-suicide, I could understand why a family member of a victim would urge someone to focus on the tragedy of the scenario rather yes. than as a reason to drag somebody down. Yeah. Um, even the culprit. But yeah. the other thing about all that is uh, – the comments just about the in-ring prowess and all that stuff were incredibly short-sighted as well, and I oh, just yeah. don't – I don't understand the relevance of even fucking touching on it, frankly. Like there was really no reason to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean – and and we're big fans of Jordan Grace here. I'm not trying to throw her under the bus, but like – I mean it, this is a classic situation of like just – if you just hadn't tweeted that one thing, a month's worth of drama would not you – know, like would just not – you know, just that one tweet. Like just don't – why? Did you need to say something like that? Did you need, did it matter either exactly. way? Like who and benefits from this? Like did someone pulled you on if Benoit could hang in today's yeah, it's like, wrestling world. Who cares? World? And like, it's like dude, also who cares? Exactly. Like, and like of course CTE Benoit couldn't hang, but like New Japan Benoit, like fuck off. Like come on. I now. mean, I don't. Th- I honestly, I'm a fan dude, of Jordan Grace, and I'm a fan of pre-murder Benoit. Like most yeah, wrestling yeah, fans are. I mean, shit. God. It's just so awkward, man. It's, it's just awkward, so awkward. But pre, I mean, before he did the shit, I mean, yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, it's it's when he was still funny pure at heart. Of, it's funny no. because of the way you said it, not, not because not of pure at heart, heart, obviously. But like before, he had fucking brain injuries. Pure at heart. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, but like brain injuries that warped his whole fucking like. As we know, like glad that we know about CTE these days, like. All sports, but Jesus, fuck. I mean, yeah, you see where yeah. we're going here. But uh, speaking of uh, some fucking horrible shit, not really horrible, kind of funny. Your boy, not really boy, the great Kali is accused of slapping a toll worker and apparently smacked the shit out of him. And then there was a the video where they confronted him while he was in the back of the car accusing him of it. He says he didn't do it, but I'm pretty sure the great Kali probably smacked some fucking toll worker who was being disrespectful. I mean, where, was this in the United States or is this in India? No, no, this is in India. That's where he is in India. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or he's wherever fine. he's at right now, he's not in the United States. No, because he has a wrestling school in India. I'm pretty sure it's in India. He's I fine. feel like you could tell if the great Kali smacked somebody. Exactly, and I'm sure that dude's got a mark. And, I mean, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh no, he slapped. There's no. There's all no all his like coworkers were pissed off at the great Kali and like. I know he did that shit. I mean, it's the great Kali. I'm sure he's just like fuck you. Yeah, my hand is bigger than your head. You know, he what's what's this chop? What was that? That was his finisher, right? The chop. The fucking yeah. brain chop. Yeah, his fucking lame brain chop. I mean, that's almost as bad as me. the heart punch. To be it honest, makes sense to me. 
Oh, so uh, we were talking about, you know, Rick earlier, us, Rick Flair's final match coming up. Big show in Nashville, Tennessee. We're all looking forward to that. But Rick Flair, for some reason, last night during AEW Dynamite, got a little froggy and just started burying Chris Jericho on Twitter. He called him an HBK wannabe and a Rick Flair never will be and just started talking shit about him. So is this an angle building to something or is this just Rick Flair being a bitter old man? Is it Jericho going to be announced the, as the opponent at the last? Hey, that's what I'm saying, y'all. What do if y'all he think? Puts over if he puts over. I mean, Flair's going because Flair's doing the job. Oh the yeah, Flair's doing final the job. match. When you were that, that's that's standard pro who's, wrestling. Who's the right guy there? that could beat Flair? Jericho makes the most sense. It makes the so. most sense. I would say so. I mean, the the only other thought I had, like I, I think I touched on it before, but the only other thought I had is free agent technically right now who could go and probably work around the limitations would be Angle. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'd love for it to be AJ, but I know it's just not possible. Yeah. It just seems like it would make the most sense because he's been literally, he was in WCW. He was in, T, you know, he's literally been everywhere Flair has been. The story's built in. A lot of people think AJ is the new goat. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, that would be great. And him doing the job for AJ would make the most sense, but Jericho makes a lot of sense. It does. I I mean, and I think that the, because flair, I mean, there's a style of wrestling that's not being done really right now. You know what I mean? Like there's a style of like that whole nineties, like suplex hip toss, like that, that kind of like wrestling, the only guy that's still doing it that really knows how to do it well is Jericho, to be honest. And, like, I mean, you know, not to jump the shark here, but we saw a pretty damn good match on SummerSlam 02 between the two of them. Yeah. 20 years ago, you know yep. what I mean? Like, yeah. I could see it. I could definitely. Yeah, that'd be fucking insane. If they really went in that direction, you know, I wouldn't be upset. They, uh, people like to call Ric Flair the GOAT and Chris Jericho and Michaels the GOAT, so it makes sense if they're actually building to something there, but... Yeah, like AEW, they're doing pretty good. They got number one on cable again this week on AEW Dynamite, and it was a great fucking show. I don't know if either of you have caught it yet. Yep. But, dude, fuck. I mean, that Takeshka, uh, Moxley, Matt, Takeshka is fucking awesome. He's yeah. he's going to be a star. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be in Japan or the U.S., but that dude is fucking money. It needs to be and Japan. It needs dude, to be Japan. I, I, think I, I mean, cool. I think they. I'm but by that. I'm not saying because of him. I'm saying because I think New Japan needs him. Like, you yeah, know what I mean, I mean like I think he's got him. size to him. His style's dynamic. Uh, I, I happened to catch on Sunday there was a JCW, not Juggalo, but Jersey City Wrestling show that on GCW <laughs> YouTube Network that uh, Takeshita fought Cole Radrick, and it was fucking great. Like, yeah, yeah. Takeshita's gonna have a match at the Black Label Pro Show here in Nashville at SummerSlam weekend. So. Wow. He's taking advantage of being in the U.S., that's for sure. Who Who is he facing in that match? Do you know? I do not know off the top of my head. I just know I he's on the card, card, which I, that's all I need for a ticket right there, goddammit. And, dude, the main event, the triple threat tag team championship match, which yeah. I love how AEWs call it triple or nothing. Yeah. That's fuck, that, That's way cooler than three. It's, just, it's their own shit. Dude, amazing match. And the ending, like, I didn't see that fucking coming at all. Nope. Swerve in our glory won the titles and dude now FTR are not the shortest reigning AEW world tag team champions ever. It's now the young bucks at 28 days. So 
That's that wild. just builds the that builds the few the longer going feud between FTR and the Bucks, which I love that little side note. Which that now that the titles are off the Bucks, that leaves the Bucks to be able to go and yeah, fuck with FTR, and then yeah. maybe somehow get that title back in some way. But dude, Swerve and fucking Keith Lee. So I just want to say, Daniel, you said when Keith Lee got signed, where was he going to be in uh, what six months? Yeah. And however, I think, like, I, think, I, think I also said the only way I see it working is in a tag team. I'm almost positive I said that. I recall so that's that. That's great because now so, we get we here we are. Here we and it worked are. Out. Fucking. That's and how I we love that. Made comparisons. We do predictions that come true. That's right. That's I mean, it was just the best way to use them, I think. And Swerve is the is the guy on the mic that can carry that situation. I'm not saying that Keith is the worst. I'm just saying that like that is his weakest point. I'm not saying it's the he's not the worst promo ever, but he's not a great promo either, you know, like, so Swerve can do both, but Swerve, like there is something, I know this sounds weird, but it's like, I feel like Swerve is still like, it's almost like Orton 0405. Like, you know, he's going to be like a legendary guy, but he's not like, and he's really good already, but he's, there's something, there's just one, I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something that doesn't make him like a main event guy to me yet. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that maybe this run with Keith Lee yeah, could be maybe it. Maybe the tag team title run will set him over the next level. And especially the eventual split. And if he can really do a great heel, as I'm sure he can, and make oh, Keith a big yeah. baby face, it's going to be amazing when they split. You know? Yep. They'll do a reverse of what they're doing with Jurassic Express. And I think what they're it doing is, with Jurassic Express is amazing. Yeah. I love the Christian Cage storyline. I love his promos lately. They've been heavy and awesome in the, in the best ways. It's the first time I've given a shit about Luchasaurus since AEW began, to be honest with you. Great heel. He's, he yeah. works like a great heel because he doesn't talk. So he right. is like he and that's an that's an art that a lot of people don't do. Like it's like a lot of guys will turn heel, turn babyface and wrestle the same way. Luchasaurus is not wrestling the same way. No, he's got a whole new moveset doing cool yes. shit. And I love how he does a variation like of a Jungle Boy's man. finisher. He's wrestling like a big man now. Yeah. Like he's not doing any of the lucha part of him. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just he didn't do big. a moonsault this week. He just did the choke slam and then went yeah. straight for the submission. Yes. Like that, I, I think it. yeah. It's and that's that's, that's the way, way it should it. be. That's the way it should be. What I don't know if y'all I don't know if y'all saw. Did you see where they uh the local graphics might have potentially let the main event for all out slip? Oh, what's that? So they had the graphics that just had a whole bunch of the regular people on it. They had, it had uh, Swerve and Lee apparently with the titles on the poster, but also a picture of both Mox and Punk with their respective AEW world titles. When is All Out supposed to be? September. No oh, way. Punk can definitely be healthy by then, right? Because all he had was a broken foot. I can see uh, it happen, dude. Think about it. how How long has he already been out? been like a month and a half, two months, something like that. Yeah. So three months for like a broken foot? If as long as it wasn't like – if it was like Dude, a hairline fracture, you'll be straight. Mm, those bones are so small, and there's, it's really hard to rehab it, dude. Like, it also I mean, depends on how bad it was. You know? Yeah, exactly. that's true. That's what I'm saying. If it was a full fracture, though, if it was a full break, there's, it's at least six to nine months, dude. That it, Those little bones take so long to heal right. And that like, could just be the local – And he's old. Like God, he's not you – know he's mean? like 43 – I think 43, that's right. And the fact, like, well, the fact that he's, he's from Chicago, he's going to, I'm just probably just cause he's going to be there with the title, like on commentary or something for like whatever maybe, match that Moxley maybe. has. Like they're still going to promote him heavy, even if he maybe. doesn't wrestle. Yeah. I mean, the that, that, that would make sense. is going to probably be those two yeah. to unify the titles or whatever, whether it's all out or not. But yeah. I could see it happening at all out as long as that foot wasn't that bad. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's po- it's possible. You're right. It's possible. Yeah, unless uh, he realizes his foot is unhealable and he just does one more match and drops the belt. Do you think that's what's going to happen? You never know. We'll see. You never know. I just tossed it out there for you. You did. If you, you can catch it if you want, you can drop it, but, you know. Call me Julio Jones. Um, did y'all right, let's, uh, see the, uh, the latest in the MLW news that they just struck a distribution deal for merchandise? Hot topic, baby. Hell yeah. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. I'm going to be That'll buying be- me some more Alex Kane shirts that I don't have to order and wait because, honestly, I haven't bought anything from Pro Wrestling Tee since they had that weird breach. Yeah. Because I ain't fucking with them, honestly. So, uh I'll go well, to Hot Topic and get like, some more Alex Kane shirts. Didn't they like tweet some off-color shit there for a while? And like it was, I didn't know. Like, that. I don't know, retweeted or supported something. Oh yeah, yeah, yes they did. During uh, basically the Black Lives Matter shit, they were yeah they retweeted no, I think some. Like, uh, I think that like that something happened when um uh that control your narrative like brand was gonna launch or whatever, and they were kind of getting buried, and then like. Pro Wrestling Tees, like, put out a graphic. Like, not just, like, it was a tweet, but it was, like, a long thing with their, like, letterhead on it that was, like, we're not going to sit by silently anymore or something like that. And I was, like, okay. Uh, maybe, but uh, I don't know. I haven't fucked with them since the any time they started fucking around. So uh, shout out to Hot Topic, getting the cool shirts back. Yeah, it's been, like, 20 years. So We did uh, just find, this is breaking. This is just announced two minutes ago. For StarCast 5 that we were talking about with Ric Flair's last match, they're offering this weekend, presented by CarShield, a $99 bundle that includes two upper-level seats to Ric Flair's last match and two general admission passes to the StarCast after party for a total of $99. That sounds like what I'm going to be buying. That's a really good deal, actually. Honestly, Thursday, and I'll be able to swing it. I might have to sell a couple video games, but we're going to get that shit. Dude, but an upper deck, like, I mean— it's it's not even the arena. It's municipal. So like upper upper deck is still fantastic. You can see everything. Like great. a great seat. Like yeah, that's that. Damn, I wish I, I think could the go. floor is clean anyway. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure oh, all that's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's all gone. Yeah, yeah. Because because the the new fairgrounds is bigger than the old fairgrounds. Like as far as capacity. Yeah. So like yeah, that's wild. That's awesome though. That's good news. It's good news for them, man. Like I mean, the after if the player does die, I hope he does it in front of a big crowd. I hope it's sold out. I hope they're hanging from the rafters. You know. That's right. I feel like that's how I'd want to go out anyway. Um, yeah, man. Well, do we have anything else in the uh, in the news department? I mean, that's pretty much it when it comes to the news for this week. Uh, I think there there's some rumors there might be an AEW show coming up in the UK, and uh, Big E is expected to make a full recovery, and that's pretty much all I got. Ooh, wait, when was that announced? Uh, recently, he said that he said like today or yesterday, he's expected to make a full recovery. That might amazing. take a while, but he's expected to. That is amazing. That is amazing because I, I know that like it was even a couple of weeks ago that he had posted a tweet that still said that he had that something wasn't healing the way they thought it was yep, going yep. to. And then he also posted like a couple of days ago too, before it was and this was announced that he like was like, yeah, if I have to quit wrestling, I'm okay with it, no big deal. But you know, good to see things are going in the right direction. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome to see. Um, well, you know what? We've talked about Ric Flair's last match. Um, we talked about SummerSlam 1997 um, last week. And we are coming towards the end of Season 4. And so we're coming towards the end of honestly covering a lot of these old nostalgia shows. I mean, I'm sure we'll probably bring it up uh, here and there. But today's show, 
me and uh, the patron saint of the rock block are going to be kind of just going through the SummerSlam O2 uh, card and just talking about the 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 greatest moments and the worst moments of O2 SummerSlam. Uh, and they're, it's riddled. You know, like some shows are like, uh, okay, it was pretty good. And then like these matches were better. And then sometimes it's like it was all shit and this one match was good. It's like there's really great matches on this card and then awful shit. Like there's not – it's not like – there's no line. It's a really up and down show. I'm excited about it. Uh, Wex, what do you remember from O2 since you're not on the uh, meat and potatoes of this? Summer Slam 2002. What was the main event? Rock and Brock. Rock and Brock. Oh, yeah. I remember that for sure. And then Shawn Michaels was on this card, right? Yeah. Street fight with Triple H. Yes. The return. Yeah, that, that, that's it. Shawn Michaels in the fucking cowboy boots and the yeah. jeans. But that's, that's not it. There's a couple other the matches on the show match. that are great. What? There's a couple other matches that are great, but that is definitely the that's Dude, the, the unset, That's sure. the one I remember out like the most, because like I said, like I've talked about this before. I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, but I came into watching wrestling like heavy when he was already gone. And yeah. he was kind of like, you know, the mythical guy. He'd be in the video games. He'd be a special guest ref here or there. But yeah. I never really got to see him wrestle. And that was that was the first time I was like, God damn, this is this is HBK, baby. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember vividly watching this. Uh, this is back in, you know, it's O2. So like everything is still pay-per-view. This is one of those situations where it's like you're in high school. You and your buddies like crowd into like somebody's mom's living room and you all watch it on a big tube TV Oh yeah, um, I watched this on a cheater box yeah. recorded tape like a week later. Yeah, we all pitched in and actually watched it and drank like Dr Pepper and ate nachos because it was high school. But um, right. yeah, it was uh, a long time ago. But I have vivid, like vivid memories of this. Like I remember what that room smelled like. Like I, like I remember I could. I did. I had been to this buddy's house like twice in my life, and I could still to this day drive to his house like in Donaldson. Like I, it's just so vivid. I remember everything about um, that match specifically. Uh, it's it's it is my favorite match of all time. I think actually, like I think that's I think you know the Iron Man match is probably my favorite WrestleMania match of all time. But I think this is my favorite ever wrestling match, like ever. Dude, I think so. The hypest thing is when cut cut a suck it. I was like, fuck. Oh, yeah. oh it's so good. I was oh, so good. I'm a so I'm a good. DX Mark. Well, I'm excited about it. We're gonna get to it. Um, so yeah, let's just hop right into it, man. Without further ado, here is our breakdown of WWE's SummerSlam 2002. And we are back. It is SummerSlam 2002. I am super excited about this, man. It's got one of my favorite, it's got probably my favorite ever wrestling match in it. Um, and I know that's from a very deep personal standpoint. I can objectively sit here and say that I don't believe that that match is probably the best wrestling match of all time. Um, just like as a wrestling match or even as a brawl. Uh, but for me personally, um, emotional attachment, my favorite match of all time is on this card. I'm super excited to get into it. Uh, so without further ado, here we go, man. Um, the dark match, by the way, if you don't remember from the Sunday Night Heat, was Spike Dudley versus uh, Stevie Richards. Uh, the entire match uh, from entrances until the final bell was two and a half minutes. Um, so it's it's literally just a way to like hype up the crowd. Uh, Spike Dudley goes out there, gets a little bit of shine, and then beats the the, the dastardly heel Stevie Richards. Everybody loves Spike. It's a win-win. Um, everybody's happy with it. A yeah yeah yeah. Then we go to the opening match on the card. It's Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. Um, it's it's shorter than I would have liked, 
Um, that's my only gripe with this match. I thought it was very good, but it did feel, especially for both guys, it felt like they were moving. It felt like they were like, you know what? We have these spots. Maybe their time got cut at some point, And they were like, we have these spots we want to get in. And they were like, we're going to get them in. And it did. It really did feel very fast, even for maybe not so much for Ray, but it felt way too fast for an angle style match. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, very good. But I wouldn't say great. I'd say make three and three quarters, four beers most, but still very good. Above average. Great. I mean, solid opener. But I mean, I think it was less than 10 minutes. It just yep. wasn't wasn't what it should have been. And also, like, I don't I just don't like Ray tapping out in the opening match of SummerSlam. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't know that it really made especially, you know, heel Kurt Angle. I don't think he needed a tap out win. I think if he had like maybe cheated a little bit or whatever, I feel like it would have mattered a little more. Um but yeah, that's where I'm at. What did you think about Ray and Angle? Man, I loved the entirety of the match. We a couple of really important notes about this. This is the very first ever WWE SummerSlam in history. Yeah, this is the yeah. first one after they got the F out. The this is one month from Ray Mysterio's WWE debut, so he is brand spanking fucking new yeah. to the company. The intro to the match was clever with him coming in from behind. I thought that the way it was wrestled was between these two guys. I mean, it showed. I was very used to WCW Ray, and yeah, he fought giants in WCW or whatever, and I'm not saying Kurt's a giant, but he really held his own. He wrestled a completely different style. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that he did tap it, I agree, I didn't love it, but I thought the finish was extremely clever. I went four and a good. half. The crowd was fucking into it. Yeah. They were so, here yeah, for this. It was a great opener. The crowd yeah. was hot. Yeah, it was fantastic. The crowd was hot for sure. Uh, the next match was, I thought was better, actually. And it was a, it was a slower paced uh, match, but I thought that they it was a slower paced match, but it was just as long. And I felt like they did more like I feel like it, like in time comparison, we're talking about less than a minute's difference in the match. And I felt like it this match moved and breathed so much more than the Ray and Angle match did. And I thought the crowd was still just as hype for it. And also Flair like this might be. Flair's best baby face run, if that yeah. makes sense. Like everything. And Chris was, this is probably at least his best WWE heel run up until the best in the world at what I do like that. Oh, eight run. Like this was the best heel one, like come right off of that undisputed um, championship run where he's just playing the whiny, whiny heel. And the wrestling was just great, man. It was a great. And that's why Jericho is one of those goats because he could quickly, he got his Jericho more modern style spots in and pass off to flair too, for, for working that very well. But also he worked to Flair's style, put flair over great match. Um, I gave this one four and a half. I, I, I really like, well, I think we're kind of maybe flip flopped on these, but I gave it four and a half. Where, where are you at on the second match? We did flip flop. Uh, I was three and a half on this. The psychology was fantastic. Main reason that I went three and a half is I just have never, I can never get into babyface flair. And okay, that's fair. It, that's really it. I mean, you know, Jericho definitely carried a lot of the match. And I think it's widely known among IWC now that this is during a period where Flair had completely lost confidence in being Rick fucking Flair. Yeah. And you can see a little bit of that. Like he did the botch on the up and over and the whole nine. I mean, that, like, but the match start to finish was extremely entertaining. Again, three and a half, which is not a bad rating. Um, no. I just, you know, it, I would have loved to have seen the roles flip flopped a little bit, but it didn't fit Jericho at the time. And this is also Flair's first SummerSlam ever. Yeah. Which is yeah, that's, that's kind wild of an to important think about too. Yeah. It's wild to think about, but it was, a, it was a good match to get it started for sure. 
Um, and I'm liking it. I'm liking it so far. I'm, I'm totally into it. I will say this match, this next match, uh, disappointed me quite, quite a bit. Uh, it's edge versus Eddie Guerrero. I felt like they didn't get their footing. I felt like there were, there weren't, there weren't necessarily outright botches, but I felt like there was nothing completely fluid in this match. Like there were, it seemed like one or the other had too many nerves going on. Like there was just, it, it felt like the, the spots were good. But the the cadence or like the way they were executed, like like it was laid out well and there was no outright botches, but it just felt clunky. Like it felt it just didn't feel as smooth as Edge versus Eddie Guerrero will become. Um, But yeah, for me, like I was I was maybe I just like overhyped myself for it, but I was very disappointed in this match. I gave it two and three quarter beers. It was it was under it was below average to me, Um, even though the crowd was hot for it. I didn't, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected it to be. And I felt like the first two matches, maybe it was just because of that, but I felt like they kind of overshadowed it. I see where you're coming from on that. I, uh, we are completely opposite here. Uh, This to me was my favorite match on the card. And I mean, as much as I love HBK and Triple H, like this match, I, I, the way Eddie kept going after the shoulder and there were innovative ways that it happened. And I kind of thought some of the clunkiness that really worked for me, to be honest, because it didn't look like it was supposed to be smooth. Uh, Eddie's about five months into his return from his initial firing from drug stuff. And after he did the ring of honor run that we touched on last week and all that fun shit. But like, there were so many good situations that uh, unfolded in this match to me. And Eddie's on top basically the entire time until the shine, the comeback, the spear and edges win. I, I, I thought it was paced really fucking well. That frog splash to the shoulder looked Absolutely fucking brutal, and I'm not sure how they pulled that off without a, a real deal injury. To be frank, I like to me that was super intense. I gave it five and a half. I thought it was fucking awesome. Oh wow, five and a half! Dude. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed this fucking match, man. I and commentary played a hard, a very large role in that too. I'm not gonna lie, but I just thought the psychology of it was great. It is the placement on the card. I mean, if this was like further down the card, I think I would have rated it a little bit differently. But being like pretty much right in the middle of the card, I thought it was ideal. I mean, I, I just, I, I just expected more. I just yeah, expected I more it. and it felt like it was just, it wasn't even that it was rushed. It just felt clunky like this. And again, like I can lay out the match and feel like every time, like I could anticipate the spots and I think that that bothered me. And also the fact that because I could anticipate them, they even, even that they weren't executed as well as I thought they could be. And that bothered me. Um, so maybe I was just getting too analytical here, but it just, it, it missed the mark to me, but damn, five and a half. Wow. That's I, I, I thought it was fucking stellar. I thought it was great. Okay. Well let's, uh, let's get to this next match. I think we can both agree here that this one was pretty much the popcorn match of the night. It's the un-Americans. It's Christian and Lance storm versus Booker T and gold dust. I mean, I shouldn't say that it was a popcorn match. There was just a lot of comedy involved. I mean, Booker T and gold dust. That's what they're doing at the time. The match bell to bell wasn't bad. But at the same time, like I didn't expect it to be great, um, and it wasn't. <laughs> so I think that that, that just kind of that that laid it out there to me. I gave it two beers, um, solid. You don't you don't hate it. It's not the worst thing on the, on the card. Or, I mean, it actually might be the worst match. Nope, nope. Yep. Sec, second worst <laughs> match on the card. Um, second worst match on the card. And then, um, but yeah, it, it was what it was, and I didn't hate it. Two beers, below average, not great, but didn't hate it. Where you at on it? I feel you. Uh, we're same rating here. I went to I, all four talent 
amazing talent. I feel like the Un-Americans thing is the main part of this show that missed the mark for me. And yeah. I've, it's been said on other podcasts from people gimmick, that, yeah. were, that were actually with the company that no one really wanted to get real heat here with the Un-Americans thing. It's like they were afraid of it. I think had that been embraced a little bit more, had they gone into the paint on you know the anti-American heel, that yeah. this whole thing would have been vehemently different. The comedy yes. wouldn't have interfered so much. Agreed. I hated the test interference. I felt like it was unnecessary. Super I, you unnecessary. know, just is what it is. But yeah, two beers for me too, man. We're we're right there on that one. Not good at all. Let's keep it rolling here. It's Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Rob Van Dam actually wins the IC title here. Uh, it's a great moment. It's a great match. I mean, it's a great match. Like, I, and like sometimes it's hard for me to watch Benoit matches um, because sometimes the aggression gets to me. Like, yeah. uh, cause he was very, very good at the aggression in the ring. Um, and it showed here and I suspended my disbelief in this match, maybe because of the mythology of Crispin Maw at this point, but like, it felt really good. I think Rob Van Dan, like there was a period, like he always took, like, he was always really like high flyer, but there was a period of time, like four or five years where he was the bumps that he were, he was taking. My was God. Just, dude, the bumps that this guy took on the back of his neck. In this match specifically, is insane. Like hold up on the German. Was oh my! Every single German, every yeah. single one. His head looked like a blow up basketball from like a doorway, like basketball goal. Just that thin, just like every time, every single time he took a German, it was like his head was a basketball. It it blew my mind. Like yeah. I was. This was the match that I was like, damn, like I kind of forgotten about this because of everything else that had been happening on this card. But Jesus, this match was very, very good. Four and three quarter beers. Very much enjoyed this match. Really, really good. Also, seeing Rob Van Dam win the title here and the crowd go ape shit when he won. Awesome. Awesome. Right. Absolutely. And that, I think that was a big vilification point for RBD. Obviously, yes. we saw where he wound up going. I mean, probably the most unlikely dude to become world champion at that yeah. time over, yeah. you know, later Fair on. But Especially I mean, that then now uh-huh. for sure. If Rob Van Dam was 25 today, Woo. He, oh my God. Like he yeah. would be the baby face in any company. Of course. And I, uh, for this, it's funny because with the two of them, you wouldn't normally look at this match on paper and immediately identify it as a clash of styles. But to me, the way that they wrestled in this match they both wrestled so much to their own style that it kind of was a clash, but they worked it really fucking well. Yeah. Um, I only went, I went four and a quarter, so not far off. The crowd was super into it, obviously. I mean, you could say that about pretty much every match on this show. Yeah. It was, yeah. Hats off to the crowd. They're the unsung hero of this show. Like the O2 SummerSlam crowd, like never got tired. Yeah. Like crazy. And uh, the, the one thing that kind of lowered it to me, you know, they did the flash to the GM feud, like kind of right during everything. And you're like, fair. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know that. Save yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but either way, a stellar match. This is a great pro, a great example of the programming of the Intercontinental Title at one of its very many peaks, in my opinion. Yeah, where it's something that fucking mattered. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and I, I, I kind of wish it was still that way. Um, but yeah, man. Um, the next thing on the card here is uh, the worst match on the card, bar none. It's uh, the Undertaker versus Test. It's, uh, luckily it's short. It's a short match. I I feel like there are gifts of this. Yeah. Like just some ugly botches, man. And okay. 
this is what I'm going to say. I don't, I, I, you know, you rest in peace, Andrew Martin. Like, like I, I'm not trying to bury somebody that's dead. I'm not trying to do that. I'm really not trying to like harp on him as a human being, but I hear all the time on these, on like podcasts where there's, you know, in this day and age, every great wrestler from this era has a podcast now. And they all talk about how great he was and how good he, how much potential he had in the ring. I have not one time ever in my life seen a good test match. Not oh. once ever. Like what, what are they talking about? Like, I think that like, maybe it's just, he was a nice guy and now he's dead. And I'm, I hate to say that, but it's like, I feel like that's why they're like, Oh, he's, you know, he could have been champion. No, the fuck he could not. He could not yeah. be the champion any day ever. Not ever. Not, not one time. Not never. Baron Corbin is a better wrestler than test. That's Period. saying a fucking lot, but you're and, right. And by a mile, by the way, by a mile, Baron Corbin is better. Like, it was terrible, man. How do you how do you botch how do you botch a semi-main event with the Undertaker at SummerSlam? How? Unless your name is Giant Gonzalez, I don't fucking get it. One and one quarter beer for me. I, I went one and a half. I you know mostly I guess just because it's Taker and his presence alone can help save some shit a little bit. But you had all the other un-American interference shit again. We're going terrible. right right back terrible. to that bullshit, and it's just you in know, less than ten minutes too. It's like yeah. this is a raw match or right. a smack. Like there's there's no reason to have this on your semi main event, like or or like semi semi main event, whatever that is. I, I see it as a ginger on the sushi plate type of match. You know what I mean? It's like you're coming off of uh, RBC yeah, Benoit. You go straight into Sean and Triple H. You're kind of fucked. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it, that's fair. So you go in, you do this dumb shit. You got. I mean, again, if you want to define a popcorn match, to me, this is it. Yeah, like, and it I, is the worst match on the card. So yeah, you're and, right. It, it's the only difference being some people might've stayed in their seats just to see taker. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it was, I gave it one and a half. It, it was bullshit. It's awful. All right. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We've, uh, we've kind of sped through this entire card and now we're here. Um, it's Shawn Michaels versus triple H in an unsanctioned street fight. The lead up to this on television, the storyline the 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 um hyper zooming in AOL digital style on Triple H's face. Um the terrible makeup that he wore from getting beat up. Um all of it was done so well though. Like it's it's it is cheese, but like at that time too, like you gotta remember that Shawn Michaels in ninety seven, ninety eight was the best. I mean, like the best that's ever been ever in the history of professional wrestling to this day, by the way, and I will fight someone to the death about that. He's the best of all time. 1997. Shawn Michaels is the best wrestler that's ever lived period. So like when you come off of that and you're gone, it was four years, four and almost five years, four and a half years. And at that point, you really don't believe that they're coming back. Like they've been around, they've been the commissioner, they've done these special guest things, but it's never too physical and it's always very brief. So when he does come around, I'm happy to see him. And they had already kind of leaned into the Jesus thing with him, which was cool with the NW, the new NWO and that they'd already kind of brought him back, but he was definitely not wrestling. And he was super ginger when he was in the ring. He didn't look anything like the old Sean. He looked shorter. He looked smaller. He wasn't the same guy, right? During the build, during just that that layout moment where they, um, you know, like they do the attack in the back or whatever, and Triple H is like trying to find the guy that beat him up, and then you find out it's Triple H, and you do the confrontation, 
if you look at his body from that first segment until SummerSlam, he worked so hard. And you can tell, like, it's not a steroid thing. Like, he doesn't look massive, but he looks like he got in amazing shape. And the trust, the trust that Vince McMahon had to have in Shawn Michaels to, after four years, put him in the semi-main event at SummerSlam. Like, unless you have the title, he, this would have been the main event. If Triple H had been the champion, this would have been the main event. First match in four and a half years, they went 28 minutes. The, by far the longest match on this entire card. They tore the house down from the opening bell to the final thing. So many high spots. The false finishes in this match are like goosebump worthy. And there's more than three in this match that it happens. This is the, this is my favorite professional wrestling match of all time. It's a seven beer, 10 beer, 12 pack, go to the store. We're getting a case. It's that many beers. Like this is the best match to me personally, as a fan and as a massive Shawn Michaels, Mark, like it's the best, it's the best match of all time. The best match of all time. In my opinion, six beers. I'm stepping off. I'm stepping off my box. Jesse, what'd you think? You just got to looking at it from somebody who did actively watch during most of this time. And before that, even like seeing the scope of HBK's career and you always knew something was there. Even in the days of the rockers, you always knew something was there. Seeing the Heartbreak Hotel, seeing the IC run, seeing him ascend, seeing DX, seeing him leave, which was – and you're dead on the fucking money when you say that after that amount of time, you really didn't believe he was coming back. But when he first left, it's just that automatic – and especially because he stayed on TV and like kept on coming back and making those appearances, you're always kind of thinking there's a glimmer of hope like we're going to see full-on HBK again. And yeah. then you get to a point where you're like, fuck, man, no, we're not. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Yeah. The minute that they got into this and announced it, I assumed that they were using it as a way to bring somebody else in. I really did. Yeah. I figured they were going to bring in a heater of some kind that yeah. was going to wind up facing Triple H and so, you know whatever the fuck. I thought, it was Na- I thought it was Nash because we're before No Way Out. You know, like at this. Well, no, we're after No Way Out. We're like, after- I, th- I thought I thought that like it was going to be Nash as Nash. You know, like because he was going to be getting healthy again. You know. There was a minute there where I just figured that they would team Triple H with a couple of guys that were there and then they would team Sean with click guys and that that's the way they would go because that – I mean it, sensible, right? For yeah. somebody who hasn't gone that hard in that long. This motherfucker comes out, looks like Shawn Michaels, fights like Shawn Michaels. It's like he never fucking stepped off the bike. And Insane. The amount of stuff that they pulled in this match that they wouldn't even trust an active talent to do. Nope. That they Today. Had, not at all. And even then, when some of the rules were a little bit more lax, they still wouldn't have. Yeah. It just an incredible performance by both guys. And you yeah. like Hunter perfectly capable of carrying the match. If Sean had missed a step, of course, which I'm yeah. sure that's where some of the trust came from. Yeah. But he didn't fucking have to. No, not at all. But he did. He but he did his job to oh, the fullest. 100%. I mean, he was it wasn't like I mean, it was equal like they equally owned that match like it was so good it was uh, it it was two guys that you could tell had the level of chemistry and the level of trust that can only create that kind of environment i mean there's there would be no way to recreate that kind of environment and i you know yes edge and eddie was my match of the night i did rate this exactly the same i went five and a half the only reason for me that it's not a full six was because of the unsanctioned nature of the match 
and it it was the right thing to do for this. I'm not arguing yes. that. I'm yeah. not saying they should have done something different here. I'm just saying that it's like seeing a, a regular, like a traditional match, just psychologically speaking, there's other stuff that you can do with that. But in this instance, it was the perfect way for these two guys to face off. It was the perfect way for Sean to come back. And it made it believable that he was coming back because they weren't just like, okay, that's fine. You could just come wrestle a regular match again after all this time. It, yeah. They made it into a thing with stakes and fucking – a problem. They made the issue severely personal, and yeah. I, I thought it was expertly pulled off. It was definitely, definitely highlight of the show in terms of storyline and all the build and everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can't say enough good things about this match for sure. Um, if you watch one match from SummerSlam 02, it's got to be this match. It has to be. Um, I mean, just it has to be. Um, but yeah, let's let's keep it going. I will say that the main event here, though. Um, you know, listen, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, it reignited Shawn Michaels. And a lot of people would argue that his run from 02 until 2010 was his best run. Yeah. And, I'll, I'll, and it's hard for me to argue against that. I mean, he had a great run. Like, I mean, and because because they do. It is different. I mean, like he wrestled at the same level, but he it was a he was a different wrestler from yeah. 02 to 2010 than he was in the 90s. A little bit less gritty, but almost more finesse, which if is crazy. If you like watch him. Sean Taker from his initial championship run versus any of the Sean Taker mania matches, that alone tells the story. I yeah. mean, it's like those matches never would have fucking happened in 97, 98. No. Like at all. Even though I prefer that Sean, I right. feel like his, his it's more wisdom. And he, mm-hmm. he like, even though he, back then he knew how to work to his opponent, but back then he knew how to work to his opponent to make Sean look good. Not mm-hmm. he didn't. And then I don't think he really cared as much about how the other guy looked. And Not I think that when he came back, he definitely did. And yeah. it was, I mean, that's, I mean, it's improvable. It's crazy though. Cause it's like, it's the finesse. It's the, almost the athleticism that was even better post back surgery that like, I mean, I would argue that his selling wasn't as good as it was in the nineties because it wasn't so much about Sean. It right. was more about, I mean, I mean, and that's the thing too. If we talk about 2002 to 2010, like how many matches did Sean actually win? He had that SummerSlam. He won the title at, at uh, Elimination Chamber that year. And then he lost a lot to yeah. everyone. And we a went lot. through that, that whole DX reunion run and stuff, which wasn't, you know, Sean definitely wasn't the highlight. Yeah, they they beat up, they want, they beat the spirit squad a bunch. Right. And they yeah. beat, you know, Vince and like, but it, like with any other younger wrestler, he put them all over. All of them, all of them. Like, I mean, he, I mean, literally name a wrestler it post from 02 to 2010 that Sean worked that he didn't put over Jericho angle, um, Batista Orton triple H even more. Like, I mean, all he did was help make guys. I mean, it was kind of insane. Like he also it, pulled it, out what I would say has to be the best. And in my personal opinion, unbelievably good match from Hogan. Yes. During that run. I mean, Hogan Vince was great. Don't get me wrong. And there was a lot of high spots in that match too, but it was like like, Hogan rock. It was more entertainment. It wasn't a wrestling match, you know, but Hogan, Sean, that was a fucking banger. It was a wrestling match Mm -hmm. and, and Hogan looked good in it. He made him look so good. It was, it was great. It was great. He played to his strengths, but you know what? We got to get into this main event. Um, I will say, that this main event probably had the most longevity because we're still seeing the benefits of this main event today. Yep. We're seeing the benefits of this main event 20 years later. It's Brock Lesnar versus The Rock. Brock Lesnar defeats the undisputed champion, The Rock, to become 
the world champion for the first time. And it's a shorter match. It's a shorter match than the main event, but this is the longest Brock match to this point. And it's not, and this is the first time that you see him really work. I mean, he had kind of been, um, you know, like WWE had, I won't, I won't say that he's WWE's Goldberg because this is a couple of years after Goldberg. They, it's almost like they took notes on the Goldberg character and made a better version of Goldberg. And that's oh, yeah. what Lesnar was with a guy like Paul Heyman that could cut great promos for him. Um, and the wrestling in this match, he gave so much to the rock. Granted, he's the champion. And it sounds weird to say that because like Brock wasn't, had never won a title before, but he gave, like, I mean, he sold really well for the rock. This is the first time that I saw Brock and I was like, Oh shit, he can sell. Like he can really sell. Like you really believe that the rock's going to beat him. Like you believe that's going to happen. And there's a, a, which causes true false finishes. They went a little over 15 minutes, which I think was Brock's sweet spot at that point. Cause he's still very green. Um, and we're still yet to have that Kurt Angle Brock main event that really catapulted him. This I will say this match made him a main eventer. Angle and Brock at, at WrestleMania 19 made him a like the a top guy for a like long the time. Fucking, yeah, yeah, a, a true top like upper echelon guy, you know. Uh, but this match definitely put him in the main event scene. Um, and 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 hats off to the Rock man. He was coming off of a, you know, he knew he was going Hollywood at this point. He's do, he's doing that. Uh, he's, he had slimmed down, you know, and he, and he talks about this a lot in his shows and his documentaries where like all in the beginning, all of the Hollywood people got in his ear and he got real skinny. And that's what happened here. He, he was a very thin, I mean, he was thinner here than he'd ever been. He was oh, thinner yeah. here than he was when he was Rocky Maivia. He was very thin, uh, but he looked good. He looked lean and mean. He looked very like a almost swimmer body type rock. Um, and he was, and he was fluid. His cardio was great. I mean, the punches were snappy. He looked good. I'm not, I mean, he's never been a small guy, but he was a smaller version of the rock and it was great, man. Brock looked like a monster, but you could tell that rock was the ring general. He walked him through it. He made Brock look good. He didn't have to, and he did. And he put Brock over and then I, again, I think it made Brock. Um, I gave the match four stars or four, four beers, four beers. Um, where are you at on it? I also went exactly four beers actually. Uh, Obviously, I mean, impressive is an understatement in terms of Brock's showing. You know, anytime you see Heyman get bumped, I think everybody's probably going to pop, especially right here. Heyman exists to be disliked, and he's real good at it. So, you know, yeah. that that's never Arguably the best. At all. Uh, and having him involved, I think, helped in a very huge way. The, the counters, the falsies, every bit of it, to me, was a very well-constructed main event. Brock takes the championship here, is the youngest world champ in history at this time, and he remains so until Orton wins it in 2004. Yep. So until two years later, Brock is the youngest world champion in the history of the company. Um, obviously, and they're only Brock months will, apart, by the way. Orton and Brock are less than a year apart in age. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, so they're, I mean, it's all like coming up from that same combine where like, you know, everybody came up at the same time and whatnot, but still, OBW, yeah. like fucking A, you know, it, it was – I thought it was excellent. The fact that he could hang with that little experience, and he did hang. You know, obviously oh, yeah, he's for green, sure. Obviously, he's being led, so on and so forth. But he played to his strengths, and you're right. He gave everything to The Rock. I gave it four. I, I don't envy them for having to follow the unsanctioned match at all. Because at that point in time, you're looking at a legend coming back, facing a current living, you know, everybody knew at that point in time Triple H was a legend as well. Yeah. And it, like, what a fucking match to have to follow, you know? Oh yeah. And with nothing in the middle of it. And so, I mean, the crowd's hype and they're ready for it, but I do think that that had to affect their mentality. Oh, it had to. Yeah. You know? It had to, but I'm still a fucking stellar main event. And just yeah. another example of how 2002 is a crazy, un, like a super so underrated. underrated. 
And it, it like you're looking at a, a year plus after all of the competition had been eliminated. And right now at this point, you're getting the first NWA TNA shows, which were not on no one's radar at that point in yeah. time. They were on yeah. our radar because we're fucking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, I can't I can't commend them for this show top to bottom enough. Even with the two duds, I, you know, it's still a fucking stellar show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this this for me was like it was a, it was a weird time because um, I had this was the summer between my sophomore and and senior or my junior and senior year in high school. So this is when I'd I'd already been doing um, backyard wrestling, and I was training with Jeff the Crippler Daniels, a local legend here. Um, and I was wrestling in Columbia and I'd also just started falling for yesterday, which was my arguably most popular band. And like the band that ended up getting me signed to a developmental deal. And, you know, I, uh, a music developmental deal, by the way. Um, so, so that was, I, I wasn't really, and you know, you, you understand this too. Like when you were like really on the indie scene doing the commentary thing, you don't, you can't really like you're you have to kind of invest more time into what you're doing. I mean, you, you, you know, so it's like, like I really did. I mean, I watched, I would try to catch raw. I would try to watch the pay-per-views obviously. Um, but I wasn't as into it as I, what had been previously. And then I like, especially when the band took off and I ended up quitting wrestling and, and just putting everything into the band because of touring and everything else. Um, I just stopped watching for a long time. And it wasn't because I ever felt really felt. It wasn't like a moment where I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch this anymore. It was just, I didn't, I was never home on Monday nights. I was never home on, you know, yeah, I was, I was just, yeah, I did. It, I didn't, I couldn't watch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, it, it's cool to see this, but it puts me back in like a, a place that I remember fondly. And also too, it's like, I'm rewatching it again with, from a fresh perspective. I'm, you know, now I'm, you know, stable living and having a mortgage and two kids and, you know, like I'm a different place in my life. So I can actually just consume it as, instead of like, like, cause at, at that time I was, I was wanting to be a wrestler so bad that it was like, I was dissecting everything. Okay. Here's the open, here's the chain, here's the breakdown. Are they going to do shine first? Are they going straight to the heat? Like, you know what I mean? Like I, that's how I was watching every single match back then. So it's like, I didn't really even, and honestly, maybe that's why I hold that street fight in such high regard because it's formatted so well from really front is. to back. There's never a chain spot as there shouldn't be. The match opens with him throwing his shirt into his face and just going straight into the brawl. And it's just all 10. It's all gas. There's no break the whole time. And it's like, I hadn't, it had been a long time since I had seen a match like that. And it was just, man, so good. SummerSlam 02, go watch it. Honestly, instead of being picking out a match, just go watch SummerSlam 02. You really go should. Go watch SummerSlam it, 02. And we've outlined the matches you can skip, but it's it, even those are still kind of fun. And I got to say, uh, to your note there, 2002, summer 2002, also the, between my junior and senior year of high school, I had already begun booking shows. And so I was trying to attend everything I booked. Yeah. But also uh, was in bands myself, albeit very small ones. But also I was still doing theater. I was in Shakespeare oh, yeah. in the Park at this time as well. And so between yeah. rehearsals and performances and shit like that, I had no time to watch wrestling. My The best thing I could hope for at this time was I would get caught up on what was going on in the popular culture of wrestling by watching pay-per-views and playing fucking video games. That's yeah. usually how I figured it out. Yep. And this is another – shining example of a WWE card that would have been built in a fucking video game. And you'd be like, yep, I'm playing this whole fucking thing. Yep. Like it's just great. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Go check it out. SummerSlam 02. And, um, yeah, it's going to do it, man. What a show. What a show. SummerSlam 02 peaks and valleys, but overall 
um, a memorable SummerSlam. I mean, like uh, this, this is uh, around a time too, like where a couple of SummerSlams, there'd only really been a handful of them since its inception that had been really legendary. Uh, and this kind of brought it back when we're coming off the tail end of the attitude era and they kind of needed a boost. And I feel like they definitely got one here. Um, Jesse, how'd you feel about overall the SummerSlam show? Man, I think it's probably there is an argument that this is the best top to bottom SummerSlam card in history. It's not chock full of a ton of matches, but the matches that are on it are great. And to be honest, even the ones that sucked still had immense amounts of talent in them. And there's something to hook into. It was just they you couldn't live up to the rest of the show. I mean, it's a stellar fucking show top to bottom. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Wex, overall, we're in the echelon of SummerSlams. Uh, Where do you put uh, 2002? I mean, just for that that fucking Shawn Michaels Triple H match alone, it's pretty high up there for me. I would say it's at least in the top ten, maybe not the top five, but at least in the top ten. It's it's a pretty solid show because there's been some epic SummerSlam. So I don't know there if it's quite cracked the top Slam. five, but it's definitely in the top ten for me. You also got to think about the Rocks 2002, man. Like, oh yeah, coming off Rock Hogan and then on into this, where like, yeah, he drops the title, but in such a overstated way that made to this day still the biggest probably money drawing superstar if you take into account the amount of appearances and the amount of money in Brock Lesnar well this was it too this was the end he didn't come back after this until um oh four yeah and that was with Foley Mm -hmm. um so I mean he was I mean this was this was this was the end of the rock full-time this was it he came back and he came back for 19 he came back for oh yeah 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 but that was, but that was still a run. That was yeah. still just a, a rumble to, to mania run. Right. It wasn't a, I mean, he was, I mean, no, he, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He came back for 19 and he worked through mania. And I think he worked the backlash after that. I think so. Um, yeah. And then that was, but that was it after that. Um, so yeah, but either way, this was pretty much the end of full-time rock. Yeah. Like until the CM Punk feud, he never, he didn't win the title again, you know? Correct. So yeah, it's massive, man. It's been a uh, a great a great trip down memory lane, if you will. Um, this is the point in the show where we normally do a trivia question. Um, I completely, honestly, have just hadn't even thought about it because there's been so much going on, so much in the news and notes, um, so much in our personal lives that have been going on. Um, I, I'm 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 slammed, man. I'm slammed with stuff. I'm excited for season five we got coming up. I didn't think of a trivia question. Do you guys have any? I got a really don't? great trivia question for you guys, actually. Awesome, I love it. Okay, so as we know, you know, Raw is going back to TV fourteen for the first time since two thousand eight. Yeah, is that what it was? Wait, yeah, it was wait. June two thousand eight. Uh well then, uh. I already fucked up my question because it was a 07 one. So, uh, hold on. <laughs> I mean, you could probably still ask it. I don't know. Like, uh, so I think his question was, when was the last time it was going to be, I was going to say, what was the last main event of TV 14 raw in 2008 before it switched Ooh. over to PG? Ooh, the last main event of that raw. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it's 2008. I'm going to say Edge. Edge Cena? Nope. Oh, man. That's a hard one. Um, 
It's the June thirtieth, two thousand eight edition of Raw because in July is when it officially changed to uh, PG. Okay, so okay, okay. This is my only lifeline. Is Ed? Is Edge in there though? Nope. Wow. Really? Okay. All right. Oh my All God. Right. 08 is a fucking tough one for me because I was not really watching very much at the time. Yeah, that's rough. 08 was a dark time. <laughs> was it uh, – was The Miz involved? No, The Miz was not involved. The last main event of Raw in the TV-14 era before it went to PG. Any guess? Any guess? Orton? Uh, nope. Batista. Nope. Was DX involved? DX was not involved. Kennedy. Kennedy was not involved. Holy shit. Wow. I We got to at least get one. Per- uh, Taker. Not the Undertaker. He was a SmackDown guy at this time. I guess Booker was probably SmackDown right now, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Triple H. I will tell you, the World Heavyweight Championship was the title that was on Raw at this time, and it Triple was H. not Triple H. Damn. What? You guys are never going to get it, and it's it's a person. I don't want to give too much of a hint because I would Hardy. give it away. What? Jeff Hardy? Not close, but not Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy? He's never been World Heavyweight Champion. Think. He's World Heavyweight Champion. And oh, Okay, okay. So the World Heavyweight Champion is in this main event on this Raw. Yeah, that's the title that's okay. on Raw. Oh, it's a title defense. It's on a Raw. title match on Raw for the main event. What? Okay. <laughs> Christian. Uh, we got to figure this out. Uh, it's not Bobby Lashley? Not Bobby Lashley. Jesus. Fucking A. Not RVD. Kurt Angle. And you haven't no, named either on. of the guys in the match, not even the champion or the opponent, so not RVD. What the fuck, man? Uh... And they're both former champions. I mean, like they're they Rey both, Mysterio both Jr. not Rey Mysterio. CM Punk. CM Punk is okay. the champion. The world oh. heavyweight champion. And Dolph he Ziggler? defeated and retained against. Dolph Ziggler. Not Dolph Ziggler. Kofi. Not Kofi Kingston. Ooh. Kofi Kingston, however, was in the semi-main against Chris Jericho. CM Punk. Who was he working at this time? Alberto Del Rio. Nope. Close. Very close. I'll say very close. Ray? Marty said no. Ray. Oh, shit. Close not by because he's Mexican. Close by gimmick. Seamus. No. What? <laughs> they were all like in that, in that, uh, what was that? Like, a, that was way later than this, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's like a weird time for me. Wait, Wade give Barrett? It to Do y'all want me to give it to you? Who'd you say? Wade Barrett? No. Do you want me to give it finally? Y'all giving up? You're going to tap out? Yeah, I'm tapping. I feel like out. We have to. Are you tapping out, Jesse? Yeah. JBL. Oh. oh. I thought shit. JBL was already gone. Yeah, he was still there in 08. I also Man event, him so CM hard Punk defeated now. him to retain the title. I want to watch that match now. JBL yeah, versus too. Punk. That sounds crazy, actually. Sounds like it. That's probably actually, bloody because like it's my, the last official TV 14 match. So hopefully there's some see, blood. Can you see what that match was rated? Does it say like what the rating, the star rating is on it? Because it cannot oh possibly God. be good. There's no way it can be good. Or did he even, did he even do star ratings for raw matches? Or was it just like Surely raw? Not, I don't think. Oh no, he does. If there's a good match, he's like rated dynamite matches. So, I mean, I'm sure he rates raw. That motherfucker will rate a dark match before he rates raw. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but in 08, like, that's true. That's totally true. 08, it was just fucking impact or, you know. Raw. Yeah. Which he just shit on both at the time. Right. As, as well, he should have, but. Yeah, I just associate JBL so hard with SmackDown that I never even, I definitely never would have got that one. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I thought that, like, after he worked with, I thought he'd stopped in, like, 05 or 06. Like, I thought JBL only had, like, a really short run. That must no, have been, he ended like, up a return. facing Punk at that SummerSlam for the title again. Like, they had, like, a little feud. I don't remember that at all. Me. Oh, wait, SummerSlam was the same match, so it's like they had a little program going together. Punk My and My goodness. And this well, was still, like, long hair Punk, because this is 08. This was, like... Yeah, it was coming off ECW. Mm-hmm. This is, like, awkward stage Punk. Um... Yeah, okay, well, if, uh, yeah, if that's that, then you can always find the show at, uh, at Kfib Comparisons on Facebook and on YouTube. You can find us at Kfibcom on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Kfibcom Pod on the TikTok. Um, that's where we like to hang out the most. And, yeah, be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you screenshot the five-star review, we'll, like, sing you a song or something. I don't know. I'll send you, like, a, I don't know, I'll, I'll paint, like, I'll a I'll send picture. you a pack aw action figure there you go you can win a pack aw action figure in the box in the box all you got to do is send us a five-star review on uh wherever you get your podcast take a screenshot of it and send it to uh any of our socials the facebook the twitter the instagram the tiktok whatever we will see it and um yeah the one we like the most we'll definitely put out there and we'll send you a pack um, the first ever AEW All Atlantic Champion. I uh, will send you his AEW boxed action figure. Um, wow, that's incredible. That's yeah, uh, that's, a, that's some high stakes right there. For those are some high stakes. Every little work. So, Here it yeah, is. Sure, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Be sure to hit that five stars. Um, hit that sub button. Tell a friend. Um, you can always find your boy at Daniel Daybreak. You can always find my new band at the Far Between Band on every social on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, whatever. We got a lot of cool stuff coming soon. Um, I'm hyped for season five. Season five starts in two weeks, guys, or three weeks. Season five starts in three weeks. I am super, super excited about it. New, new vibe, new soundtrack. Um, season five, man. I'm, I'm hyped about it. Um, Jesse, how do you feel about season five, and where can they find you? Dude, I can't fucking wait. Uh, I always love being able to kind of adapt the format a little bit. Some of my favorite my favorite part of my week, honestly, is getting to sit here and shoot the shit with the boys and uh, talk a little bit of wrestling, with, no matter what capacity it is, talk a little bit about everything else going on in life, too. So it's always always a good time. You can find me at Jesse Baker on Facebook. You can find me at Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at the East Side Bowl in Nashville, Tennessee, on Friday, July the 29th for Southern Underground Pro. That's going to be a really fun show. It's kind of a precursor kickoff thing uh, onto StarCast and the rest of the fantastic weekend. You can also find me and Daniel's band, The Far Between, at the legendary music forum Exit in 2208 Elliston Place on Friday, August the 19th. It's my birthday weekend. we got a shit ton of really great bands. A big old show at the end across the street as well. It is going to be a banger. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Wex, how you feeling about going to season five? And um, how you feeling? You know, where can people find you? Oh, you know, you can always find your boy Wex Breaking the Loss. And Wex Breaking the Loss on all of your social medias. Uh, and definitely check out that TikTok, the K-Fape Comparisons. And check out me on TikTok, too, at Wex Breaking the Loss. And you can find a little, some little skateboard video. See me eat shit. Hit my nuts a few times here or there. That was and, great. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's always fun. It's always fun watching me get hurt. And yeah, uh, you can always uh, 
be looking forward. You should be looking forward, as I should say, to the next season. Because I'm really looking forward to the new format. I love, like Jesse said, this way just kind of shooting the shit, talking about the news, talking about what's going on in wrestling, and not really having to stress out too much. Trying to cram two pay-per-views in the week when I'm also trying to watch some AEW and some other sports and stuff that's going on yeah. at the time. Like, Luckily, yeah. right now, there ain't shit going on in the sports world, so yeah. we got more time for wrestling. But yeah. when it gets back into sports season, it gets a little rough. We're trying to that's watch some, some other shit. It's totally true. Sports season takes up a lot. Also, just life. Like, there's video games that I want to play and, like, albums that come out that I want to, like, obsess over, you know? Um, there's other stuff. So, uh, but yeah, Season 5 is going to be awesome. We have a major announcement for Episode 1 of Season 5, too, so be sure to tune into that. We are very, very excited. That's going to do it for us this week, though. We will see you guys next week. We are out. Peace. Peace.